Time now for the Aggie Guys Sports Spectacular with your hosts, Larry Smith, Brad Sturdy, and Mike Keglin. Happy New Year and welcome to the Sports Spectacular. Welcome into 2024. Larry Smith, Mike Kegley, Brad Sturdy. We've got lots of recruiting to talk about. Eric Richards is the National Scouting Director for the All-American Bowl on NBC that kicks off at noon on Saturday from San Antonio. We'll talk about how that game has evolved with all the changes in college football as some of the top players in the country uh, will play in front of a pretty sizable crowd there every year. We'll talk to Eric and get his thoughts. Uh, and a bit later, we'll make our picks for Monday night's college football title clash between Michigan and Washington. But fellas, first, a uh, special guest on the show. And we have the godfather with us, Mike Farrell, godfather of recruiting. Um, Going to talk a little bit about this uh, Texas A&M uh, recruiting class and and, you know, what this signing day means as as Texas A&M transitions from uh, Jimbo Fisher um, into Mike Elko. And, and what do you see different? I mean, and I know that some of these guys are carryovers, but what do you see different in their their philosophy here? Well, Jimbo was always a, a very good recruiter back to LSU and Florida State. He was sort of a, a flashy, aw shucks guy, but with a, a, an incredible narcissism and, and ego where he gets dull. And so he had that 2021 class, you know, everybody says all NAL, which it, it wasn't. That's the thing that bothers me today is too, like, you know, signing day, you see all these kids, oh, this kid flipped, he got a bag, you know, it's been that way forever. You know, it's just been accused of cheating prior to that. Now it's NIL money. Um, it's it's blown out of proportion. That 2020, 2021 class was amazing. Uh, Jimbo just wasn't, he wasn't a great player developer at that stage of his coaching career. And I don't think he cared as much. He had the big money. He went nine win season in 2020, he got the big extension. I think he got a little lazy. Uh, Mike Elko is not going to be lazy. Mike Elko is coached at Wake Forest, Notre Dame, Duke, and he's coached at Texas A&M before. He's a, a, a rabid guy, but he's not going to bring in top two recruiting classes and top three recruiting classes. They're going to be more, fit guys. They're going to be more guys that he, you know, likes and wants to develop. And I think he'll hire the right people. Uh, you know, who's it? Colin Klein, I believe is the guy, offensive coordinator who was at, um, uh, you know, Kansas state. He's going to let him, you know, recruit, recruit the, the quarterbacks and, and the wide receivers and let him run it rather than Jimbo sort of being a control freak who wanted to run everything. So when you look at this, it, when you recruit for a place like Texas A&M that is so rich in tradition and a, and a relatively unique school experience, how does that affect, you know, you've, you've monitored, you know, recruiting for decades. How does that affect how they recruit for a school like this? They always have top recruiting classes. And I'm not saying number one recruiting classes, but in the history of, you know, ranking teams since 1996, 97, when I started doing it, they're always ranked well on paper. They always had great classes, even when they were, you know, the, the, the little step, you know, child to Texas. Uh, even when they were under their thumb, when they moved to the SEC, there was supposed to be a big boost in recruiting and, and, and it didn't really happen because they always had good classes in the Big 12 and then they had all these good classes in the SEC. It's just a lack of development. They just couldn't make players better. For every Johnny Manziel, that it was a three-star kid that they made into a superstar. It, it, there were five-star kids left and right who just didn't develop. And, and it, it's just, 
the tradition is there as far as the 12th man and, and, and all the money and the oil money they got. They, they just don't win and they never have. It's not a curse thing. There's just a sleeping giant and no one's been able to wake them up. And, and I'm not really sure how they get out of their own way in that respect because Texas is better. They're all healed. Now they're going to the SEC. I mean, you know, Texas is the SEC with them. They're going to be battling for recruits. And Texas is going to be able to sell SEC now. You got Alabama, Georgia, LSU. You got all these programs. I don't know how it gets better. I like Elko as a hire. I think he was the right hire. But I don't know if he's going to be able to navigate through the SEC. It's it's obviously tough to recruit against the top teams. And one one guy that um, Texas A&M has committed, Terry Bussey, who's considered one of the top cornerbacks in the country, uh, what's the status of him? A lot of talk about him possibly being a flip. Well, so this is what Elko's going to do too. You're going to see a difference between, um, you know, Fisher and and um, because Jimbo was more offensive minded and he was more focused on that side of the ball. And he recruit. You're going to see really good football players uh, commit on the defensive side of the ball. And and it's, people are going to say, well, you're nuts. You know, they got Walter Nolan and they got some of these other guys. You know, uh, Overton. They got really good players mm, they did but it wasn't consistent like they would get loaded up on the defensive line like that that 2021 class had like eight really elite defensive linemen but where are the defensive backs uh denver harris didn't pan out on and on uh you know what's going on Elko's going to hit so a guy like bussy the elko is going to hit every tier and 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 I think it's going to not be this class. I mean, they're they're right in the twenty to twenty five range because he took over, and, and so your your first recruiting class in the transition year is never your best. I, I think you're going to see them in the top fifteen, not top three, but it's going to be so much more balanced defensively, and I think that's going to help. Uh, so kids like that are going to be a target, and I think Elko is going to coach them up and care about them more so than I think uh, you know defensive players were cared about under Jimbo. Well, thanks so much. That has been Mike Farrell, the godfather of football, college football recruiting. You can go to his website, MikeFarrellSports.com. Keep up on everything college football recruiting, including the transfer portal. And of course, for the Aggie Guys Sports Spectacular, we'll be right back after these messages. back on big sports radio mike i have a question if you're really really bad at your job and you screw something up majorly do you usually get like a a really good promotion and and add a boy from from your your boss apparently you do because you wouldn't be answering this question (laughs) you wouldn't be asking this question if you're an official in the nfl that can happen brad allen's crew just completely botched the end of the cowboys lions game I mean, there's there's no other way to look at this. Now, I will say this. In, in their defense, not in their defense, but in defense of everybody who's complaining, Dan Campbell should have, when, when it went back to the seven-yard line, kick the extra point, take the tie game. But, hey, he didn't do that. So, so but it, they should have had the two-point conversion. It's clear they, you know, it's pretty clear they messed up. But then they get, now, where are they at? Well, they get the Steelers game, which is another really, really important game deciding who makes the playoffs. Are you surprised by this? No, because the NFL is constant source of frustration for me. They make billions a year and will not pay for full-time referees. You fly in people. They've had a rough week at work. 
got to go out and perform and then get on an airplane, go back home for Monday morning, go back to work. These guys have high powered jobs, but why not go with full-time referees? Why not train them year round, get the best guys. And also, you know, guys who are older than me, I'm not certain I should be a referee, but guys older than me, that's, that's asking an awful lot. Cause the NFL athlete, along with the NBA athlete are the greatest athletes in the world. And I, I just wonder if you need to, you know, cap it at about 45 to keep up with these guys. They're gazelles. We'll call that the Cagley cutoff. Like yes. We have to cut it off at a certain age. So no, I, I just think it's, it's, it's also, and I say this, it's not that it's shocking from the NFL, but it's very tone deaf. You have a, a completely, if you look at, you had millions of people on Twitter talking about this thing. And then as it starts to drift away, you put this officiating crew on one of the most important games of the week in primetime again on television, just so we're talking about it even more. Just complete lack of like awareness. Well, all all publicity is good publicity is seems to be the <laughs> NFL's <laughs> mantra on these things because they uh, Roger Goodell just doesn't care. He just he just wades right into it. Yeah, that's true. You know who's getting a lot of publicity? Caitlin Clark. Kaylin Clark, and we, we've talked about her on this show many times. Kaylin Clark is just a fantastic women's basketball player. That three, Mike, did you see that three she made to win the game against Michigan State? Yeah, it was State the unbelievable. Yeah, she's unbelievable. fantastic. Just step back, you know, drain it, nothing, and knew it was going for the minute it left her hand. She's fun. She's must watch television. Now, I've had this, our producer, Tony Cordero, has come up with this idea, and he wants to see Steph Curry and Kaylin Clark in a game of one on one. I have my thoughts, Mike. I'll give you yours. What What do you think happens? Well, I mean, look, I, I'm I'm probably gonna gonna give the advantage just on the quickness standpoint to Steph because he is lightning fast. But I will tell you one thing: um, it would be a fantastic battle, and I would say that if they wanted to play a game of horse, I'm not certain that anybody's going to lose to Caitlin Clark. And I'll tell you one thing: she'd easily beat the men's big 10 best three-point shooters from what i've seen of her on the court possible i, I the shoot the horse game's a different animal i think yes. you know i think she gives her a better chance although it depends on which ball they use right i mean so you know she she does shoot with a smaller ball so let's, she use, let's ball, use the women's ball because that's well, what she uses yeah, that's what she uses and uh, i think she wins but i don't yeah. think she's beating anybody i i and i and i say this in all sincerity Every and this is no disparagement. I think every NBA player would dominate her in one on one just from well, the physical aspect yeah. and the quickness yeah. aspect. But it would come to horse, it levels the playing field. Now you're just putting the ball in the basket. And I think she can compete with about anybody. She can shoot it. Yes. So another guy who can shoot a little bit is Victor Wembanyama. He's a rookie having a really good season for San Antonio. And I, I don't, I'm not sure we're talking about just how good his uh, rookie season has been. Could, let me ask you this, because you've coached a lot of basketball. Could he be used a little better or a little differently? Yeah. I, I, okay. My credentials are not with Greg Popovich's credentials. But, but they're close. First <laughs> no, not quite. But I, one thing I'll say, I, I, I don't know if Pop's ever had it. And not many people have. He's a unicorn, right? He's a different right. guy than we've seen before. And I don't know that they figured out how to use him the most effective that he can be used. Like, I would use him in a little different manner. 
than what Pop's using him. Um, I, I feel like he could be more effective. Now, defensively, I've been really impressed with him. I think he's going to be a great shot blocker and a great rim protector, and he's done a good job on the boards, you know, pretty good. I think he, as he gets stronger, he get better. But offensively, I don't know that they've used him in the way that I would use him. Um, but I will say this, again, as some of that, I think he's a unicorn, and nobody's had a guy like him, well, ever, right? So it's different. Yeah, it, it is. It's a it's a weird time for Bigs with him and Chet. You know, these guys would have been broken half in the '80s by the physical play, but now with a different type of play, these guys are technically much better basketball players than many of the guys who would have broken them in half with their ability to shoot from outside and their ability to handle the ball and. Goodness gracious, with the athleticism of the modern player, I, I really think Wimby and, and Chet may may yet, if they can avoid injury, revolutionize you know how big men are used. Yeah, totally different game with those guys at, at the fives or four and five uh, position. So, uh, yeah, it's going to be interesting to follow uh, in the NBA, see these young guys and how they develop the, these young, tall, skinny guys and see how they, you, you wouldn't have seen that. It reminds me of Sean Bradley. Remember Sean Bradley? Yes, yes. He was kind of, he was a unicorn too, and but he never could. In that era, it wasn't a good fit. It wasn't going right. to work, so. All right. Well, that that concludes. We've now, uh, another, we got officiating problems. Caitlin, Clark and now Victor Wimbayama and we've, we've solved more problems there, Mike. We're, we're ready to roll. Uh, and up next, we're going to talk some uh, college hoops uh, and, and what's coming up o- over the weekend. Right back here on Big Sports Radio. How is your car payment treating you? What if I told you you could make a free phone call right now and reduce your car payment by as much as $83 a month? Look at your car payment closely. You could be paying as high as 20% interest. Rate Genius can help you reduce your car payments by reducing your interest rate to as low as 2.48% APR. We can refinance most existing car loans or leased cars, new or used, and save you money every month. Put more money back in your pocket. The call is free to find out how low we can lower your car payment. Five minutes of your time right now could save you hundreds of dollars a year. Call Rate Genius now. 800-425-1161. 800-425-1161. That's 800-425-1161. Not all applicants qualify for a loan or rate savings. Actual offer terms, including APR, are determined at the time of your application based on creditworthiness, value of the vehicle, loan term, and other factors. You're listening to the Aggie Guys Radio Network. Let's talk a little high school football. Best of the best. Eric Richards is the national recruiting director for the All-American Bowl on NBC. And that game coming up Saturday, noon Eastern on NBC. 24th year. And Eric joining us to talk about uh, this next wave. Eric, Happy New Year. Good to have you with us. Oh, great. Great to get through another year. And uh, it's good to be on. Yeah. Tell us about this. I mean, it's one that, boy, college football is just is changing so much. But I think when you're going after the very best players in the country, that's never going to change. Um, but talk about kind of this game and 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 how it's evolved over the years from what it was when you guys started 24 years ago. Yeah, I mean, the first year, uh, the uh, owners of the company at that time just said, well, hey, McDonald's High School uh, All-American Game in Basketball is doing it. Why don't we do a football game? And so they literally threw together a uh, 100-something invites uh, to players uh, 
and, and didn't know what was going to happen. Brought him into Dallas, and first class was Kevin Jones, a running back from Virginia Tech, and Maurice Corrett, uh, famous for Ohio State. Uh, they they brought him in and uh, ran it in Dallas in a rainstorm. And <laughs> luckily enough, a Army general happened to uh, peek in and uh, came to him the next year and said, hey, I think we want to get involved with this. Recruiting's down. The Football player makes the perfect candidate uh, of what we're after, um, not only from enlisted, but from an officer candidate standpoint. And while we know we're not going to get the five star to uh, sign up for the Army for four years and sign his life away, it's his teammate or his 50 teammates are the perfect uh, candidate that we're after. They have the work ethic, been to football practice uh, and, and general study. And so the Army was a part of it uh, for a better part of 20 years. And um, um they moved on and, and went away and NBC took over the game uh, and, and owned it and uh, partnered with Adidas. And here we are four years later. I'm glad that you bring that up because this is the game that to your point we've known as it was, you know, it was the army game, right? I mean, it was, you know, by us army and there was um, um, as I recall watching over the years, the military presence and pregame half halftime, things like that. Um, what's the week like for these players when they come in? I mean, I know, you know, it's like a bowl game. It's it's not just the game. There's all these other things happening uh, behind the scenes. Well, the first thing we did is we we wanted to treat it like a bowl week. So we, uh, you know, we researched what the college teams were going through at the Rose Bowl, the Sugar Bowl, the Orange Bowl, how the week was set up um, as far as on the field and off the field. And we wanted to reciprocate that. And when we built out the schedule and it's why we bring them in. Uh, on Monday before the, until the game's Saturday. There's a lot of uh, off the field stuff. There's a lot of uh, classes. And now with NIL, there's even, even deeper classes uh, um, and stuff. And so it was all modeled after college bowl weeks and the feedback we get uh, from athletes. And, and I must admit, this game's been in San Antonio for 23 of the 24 years. And the community here has supported it like, like no end. As you probably, listeners probably know, all-star games are tough to get attendance because outside of the kids that are playing in it and their families, nobody's really interested in the East versus West or uh, Gwinnett County versus Kevin. It's not uh, Brookwood versus Parkview or, or Buford versus Mill Creek uh, situation. But fast forward, the city of San Antonio has supported this thing. And we've had as many as 40,000 in the stands and uh, as little as 25,000 and it all in between. And what we find is, People, uh, 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 parents now that were kids came and now they're bringing their kids. So it's kind of a a, a locally adopted uh, gym of San Antonio. So it's been real great. We've we look, we've often been asked, hey, you want to move this to San Diego, Los Angeles? Snoop Dogg's worked on us hard as he's part of my selection committee. Hey, move this to L.A., uh, move it to Miami. But uh, San Antonio has been so good from a, a CBB standpoint and more importantly, a uh, a crowd standpoint and you know we the Under Armour games in uh Orlando and I, I know the runners of that and they have a hard time getting people there if you watch that game there's less than 2,500 3,000 in the stands and we've been blessed with anywhere from 25,000 to 40,000 in the stands and players come back to us that go to Alabama and go to Georgia and they say hey it was no different playing in front of 80,000 as it was playing in 40,000 so that, that that helps prepare them for that first game because a lot of these uh athletes are, are, you know, Larry asked to start as a freshman. Yeah. Well, and, and to your point, it's, um, it's, it's a, San Antonio's a fantastic sports market that doesn't have 
um, big time football. I mean, you're at UTSA and they're building and, and, and we give them credit over there, but um, you're exactly right in terms of you have all the amenities that you need there. Um, and I'm sure the kids as well feed off that energy. You know, when, when, the, to your point, if you've got 25,000, 30,000 in, uh, in, you know, 40,000 in the, in the stands, um, and a big play is made, you've got that energy and that fuels you. It's not just playing in front of a couple thousand people in a cavernous stadium and uh, with everyone really on their phones, not paying attention. Yeah. The only athletes that had, uh, that have done it before are the Dallas Metro athletes that play in front of 25,000. Right. <laughs> exactly. And uh, to, let's also say Texas is one heck of a sport for football, right? At any level. So you're, you're exactly right. Um, yeah. The community support and the um, text, a lot of people ask me who has the best high school football when you're talking players, it's, you know, Georgia, Florida, California, Texas, probably fifth or sixth on the list. The community support, number one. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, just go visit any high school stadium that some small colleges would. I mean, I went to a division one double A school and you know, the, stadiums and high school stadiums in Texas, I mean, are far exceed anything that we ever had. Um, you talked about NIL. Um, what's the biggest change that that you guys have had with that approach in terms of um, the things you're seeing and involving, obviously, the dollars that are that are being passed around, but even in terms of what you feel is maybe your own responsibility to try to help educate these young men about um, what this is all about and, and some of the, the pitfalls of having all this money all of a sudden. Okay. How long is this show? um it's uh got a few minutes (laughs) it's it's gone from zero to 60 i'll try to give you a short answer um listen i was one that championed that you know the the kids deserve especially specifically i watched the whole aj green thing unfold when he got in trouble for selling his bowl jersey and helmet on ebay um i I thought it was ridiculous that a college athlete i kind of fostered Tony Michelle and Nick Chubb from the time they were 10 years old and uh, while they were at Georgia, you know, it's forbidden for them to go do an autograph show. I, I, I didn't like that rule. We had to go through, I run a camp company. We had to go through all kind of hoops to bring a kid in and coach a camp and everything. And I thought that was uh, ridiculous. Now, was the NCAA ready for what happened? I think they just turned a blind eye and said, look, y'all want the wild, wild west. We'll give you the wild, wild, wild west. Unfortunately, it became the wild, wild west, and it can't be reeled in now. It's, um, you know, there were no restrictions or salary caps put in place. And uh, to listen to some of these head coaches, and I'm not going to name, but they're down in your area in the SEC. Uh, you know, when this thing first evolved, they had starters on national championship caliber teams that the first year may have been making 5000 a month. They had three-star recruits coming to them and saying, hey, I want 50000 a month. And so you can imagine that locker room and and everything. And Brock Bowers is one that comes to mind. I mean, Kirby was giving five thousand a month once NIL kicked in. The collective from Georgia was giving them five thousand a month. And then you had players coming in and, and quarterbacks, and one that just uh, decommitted that was asking for a hundred thousand a month that you know didn't even have a starting position. So you got Brock Bowers, Heisman candidate, for sure first five round pick. And then, you know, high school recruits coming in that hadn't started a game. So um, it's 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 out of control. I don't think they can reel it in. I think it's uh, something we're going to have to live with. It has become it has become the minor league feeder uh, for professional football. The unfortunate thing is, Larry, is some of these quarterbacks, even if they got drafted in the NFL, 
If they weren't drafted in the first round, they'll never make the kind of money that they're going to make at the college level, $100,000 a month. I mean, NFL minimum is four or 500000 Taylor Heineke, that's been around the league uh, for better part of eight years now, uh, you know, he made league minimum for his first six years and stuff. And now you got quarterbacks at colleges that are, are, are making a better part of a million, million and a half a year. I think Matt Rule said it best. If you want a good quarterback in today's market, it's going to cost you cost you a million and a half to two million. Um, I'd really hate to see it drop down to the high school level. Uh, one of our own athletes in California uh, basically signed a deal with Tennessee that he had eight million coming to him. I can't fathom eight, eight fathom eight million in in my lifetime probably. And so I, I think it's going to, uh, you know, long term, it's going to create problems of people that obtain that wealth, but don't get drafted in the NFL or don't have a Trevor Lawrence or Bryce Young contract. And then you've got four cars in the driveway and a house, everything. How, how do you pay for it once the money's gone? So um, that's it in a nutshell. It's here. It's not going to go anywhere. Uh, it's probably going to get worse before it gets better. But uh, that's society we live in. And it all went to. Our great friends at the NCAA didn't get out in front of it. And I think that's where I think no matter where people are on the NIL argument, I think we all have that one common denominator, right? That they did. They turned a blind eye, said, yeah, do whatever. And now they're trying to come back and put the toothpaste back in the tube. And that just doesn't happen with anything, right? Um, they, they, don't, they don't want that lawsuit. Trust me. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Um, you know, we had the early signing day now for the past few years. How has that changed uh, with kids coming in where, you know, you, you still have some kids who kind of wait until the, you know, the big day to be with you guys to make their decision. Um, but how has that kind of changed recruiting and and even, uh, again, kids signing, uh, making that announcement on game day? Yeah, I think, um, well, let, let me, that's a, a large question. The first announcement on TV was at our game was Reggie Bush stood in the tunnel pregame and uh, said, hey, you think uh, I could announce during the game on TV? And I said, I don't see why not. I said, uh, we got to do something creative. Uh, who are your final three schools? You want to put on a hat? You want to put on a hoodie? What do you want to do? And he said, uh, I'll do the, I'll do a hat. This is Reggie Bush now. 2000, I'll back it up to like 2002, I believe 2003. And uh, so I sent a uh, sent an intern across Riverwalk to the mall. We picked up three hats. Uh, he got them back before halftime, and it was USC, uh, US, UCLA, and, 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 and Washington, or another state on the West Coast, and uh, started the hat thing. Fast forward at that time, Larry, only about five players out of the 100 left the game and went to their colleges. Now, after we're finished with this game, out of the 100 players, about 75 will fly out to their teams. 50 of these kids were already with their teams at bowl games and bowl practices and have come back to us after being a part of the team. The uh, Georgia kids, we flew them out of Miami after the Orange Bowl and, and brought them in. And so there were seven of them. So uh, that that's evolved a lot. Um, the As far as early signing day going, before they can do all that, they have to sign with the school. Fast forward and, and insert uh, early signing period. And that's why generally speaking about 80 to 85 percent are wrapped up um on the December in, in the December signing period yeah and I I mean I'm for one I'm a proponent of in football the early signing uh get them on campus in January so by the time you hit September um it's not all new to you right I mean it's 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 such an adjustment especially um with the stakes um that exist in 
that are unique to the game of college football. Before I let you go, I want to ask you about FBU. Um, what do you guys, how do you guys prepare kids for the college level and, and beyond? Great question. Um, what we were seeing down here on the national stage, probably about five to six years into the game. So way back in 2010, uh, we were getting these genetic freaks and they were 6'6", 300 pounds, maybe playing in Minneapolis or uh, in, in Boston, Massachusetts or something. And that type athlete was dominating uh, the talent he was playing against and looked good on film and everything. Well, they'd get down here on this national stage and all of a sudden they were matched against the Will Anderson types that, you know, are 6'5", 230 and coming off an edge and exposing them. So uh, we said, how can we fix this before they get here? Because you can't fix it in the five days they're here. And uh, so uh, me and my partner, Steve Gwynn, we developed uh, uh, and started FBU, stands for Football University. And it's a uh, uh, it was a two-day camp at that time. We would go in uh, to high schools, uh, bring in ex-NFL coaches and, and, and ex-college coaches, and, and and technique these kids up. We would spend an equal amount of time in the classroom as we would on the field. So we would install, we'd go out and do it. Then we'd come back and review it and install the next session. It was uh, basically duplicated after an NFL mini camp, a uh, three-day mini camp um, series. And so we're in 40 cities now uh, across the country with the camp model. Uh, we've, closed, we've condensed it down to a one-day with the growth of seven on seven, a lot of these athletes couldn't make two-day camps, so we condensed it down to one day. And uh, on a on a Saturday, we're liable to be in Atlanta, and we pack up the truck like Ringo Brothers, Barnum and Bailey Circus. And on Sunday, we're in Birmingham, and and likewise across the country, running two trucks simultaneously. And I I know you're loving every minute of it. <laughs> uh, I'm not getting any younger, but uh, uh, now nah, the, the the relationships I've made through football it's it's incredible. I mentioned Snoop Dogg; his son played in our game back in uh, 2015. Uh, it, it, Toby Keith's son played in our game, so I've been backstage at Toby Keith concerts. Lorenzo Bertita that owned the UFC, uh, uh, you know, uh, with Dana White, um, kids played in our game and actually actually circled back around and bought bought my company uh and is the current owner now three step three step sports so the the relationships i've made through football you 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 have no idea of, of the kids that play from celebrities to to just you know ceos and everything else sure sure i got 15 seconds monday night michigan or washington who you got Woo, man that's a pre preview of the big 10 matchup yeah i think michigan's defense has proven i just saw a stat this morning we know how good that 2021 georgia defense was michigan held their opponents this year to 9.3 and beat that 10.2 total that georgia beat in 2021 so i think defense wins out um and, and, and but it, i think it'll be a post game michigan's not gonna pull anybody out i think it'll be closer than people think yeah, yeah. A couple of good games Monday. Hopefully another one uh, this coming Monday. Uh, Eric yeah. Richards, appreciate your time, my friend. Uh, National Recruiting Director again for the All-American Bowl on NBC. Saturday, noon Eastern on NBC, uh, 24th year. Congratulations uh, on the great success. And we really appreciate your time to kind of give us some insight here. No problem. Love to come on anytime. All right. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks so much. Once again, Eric Richards. And again, Saturday, noon Eastern on NBC. Stay with us. More to come after this. If I was your mother and you had a drug problem, I'd grab you by the ear and make you call and get help. You can be in treatment tomorrow and start to get clean in seven days. Follow mom's advice and call the Detox and Treatment Helpline now. Write this number down. 877-927-3380. 
877-927-3380. That's 877-927-3380. Okay, guys, college football championship. Um, we just were talking in the break, though, one more time. How much fun we had watching these two semifinal games last Monday night. I mean, this was, you know, I know Florida State wasn't there and a lot of players opted out and it was ugly. That game was ugly. The Orange, I get that. But this was a this was a lot of fun, these two games. Oh, fantastic. I mean, I thought, you know, you had the 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 battle of, the, you know, everybody kind of hates Alabama because they win all the time, but then everybody hates Michigan because they Cheat. So, so you got that combination of everybody kind of hated it, but somebody had to win. So, but it was a, a fantastic game. And I thought the second game, you know, Washington and Texas, I think it, it surprised a lot of people to see Washington dominate that game like they did until the last two minutes when they turned into Mario, Mario Cristobal took over on the Washington sideline <laughs> to try and make it competitive. Yeah. I, I was exhausted with all the sick people. And so uh, right after the half, I'm like, well, I think I'm going to I think I'm going to go to bed because Washington's going to put this away. And then things would happen where they couldn't put it away. And I ended up staying up till whatever, you know, midnight or central time when the thing was over. Um, It was it was a tough day of work for a lot of Americans on Tuesday morning when that alarm went off. And I'm really, really glad I don't live in the eastern time zone. Yeah. Yeah. Well, what what is it about that? I mean, it's New Year's Day. Can't you? Can't we just start those games earlier? I mean, the only two games you care about, right? Yeah, yes. I, I I think it would be different if it was New Year's Eve. Like, I mean, I get it. You know, yes. New Year's Eve people are you know stay up later, but when people got to go to work the next day, it seems odd. I, I and I obviously didn't hurt the ratings. I mean, the Michigan Alabama game, but that was an early game, right? Had the highest ratings you know they've had for a long time. So, but yeah, why not start them a little bit earlier? And and I still don't understand why you play the one that's in the early time zone. Late. Before the one in the late times or west times, you know, central versus west or east versus west, whatever you say, it didn't make sense. We start the one that, you know, so that Rose Bowl game started, you know, if it's four o'clock central, it's two o'clock out on the coast. It, it, it's really odd the way they set it up, but I, I guess people watched. So that's what yeah. all that counts. Yeah, I, I think college football has clearly secured itself as the second be- second most you know rated highly rated sport behind only the NFL and one wonders with a year or two of a of a final you know tournament with 12 or even 16 teams will they close that gap and have people watching it because holy cow i mean we were glued to the tv the whole time two games that came down to essentially the the last play how could you ask for anything more other than, you know, maybe a more likable winning coach and Jim Harbaugh, you know, in the first <laughs> game? See, I, I think it's the popularity is going to grow. What you have March Madness is going to become December delirium. I mean, I think it's going to be Ooh, trademark that trademark. I, that, I should, shouldn't I? Yeah. Pat Riley, three P. Um, I should do that, but I, but I really do. I think it's going to be insane. Um, the drama, and especially if you get a team like we saw a few years ago, like a Boise State knocking off Oklahoma years ago in the Fiesta Bowl, and you're like, okay, great. Well, the the running back proposed to his cheerleader girlfriend. Great. But what if they played the next – what if they went on? 
what happens? Yeah. So you get the week long buildup and all that. I think it's going to be, it's just, it's gonna be a lot of fun. So, um, and my one thought, I wonder if the Rose bowl contractually has to kick off at that certain time because of the Rose bowl parade and the TV contracts, maybe something they gave up that they had to go first. Cause I, I'm with you. Why do the West coast game first? That doesn't make any sense. So, all right, let's get to it. Uh, Monday night in Houston, Michigan, Washington, who you got? You know, it's interesting. I, I, I keep wanting to pick against Michigan, but they just keep winning. I mean, I, I think that they're really a they're a really quality team. I do think that Michigan's going to have a hard time with Michael Penix. I, I think he's really good. I think, and you saw, you heard Nick Saban talk about it. Alabama had plays they could have made down the seam and down the field that they didn't make because of whether it was poor blocking, bad snaps, whatever you want to say. I don't think Washington's going to make those mistakes. So I think they're going to be better than Alabama offensively, but I just don't, I think Michigan's going to pull this one out. I think it's going to be a close game down to the wire. And I think Michigan just has that uh, championship uh, mentality this year. Yeah. I see this as, uh, you know, Penix is no Milrow. He is going to make you pay when you leave a guy open. And sometimes even when you don't, because his receivers, they look at a 50-50 ball as a 70-30, I think, just to start with. And, and they're good. Um, but I, I, I can kind of see this as Washington scores in three plays in a minute 25. And then Michigan takes the ball 13 plays for nine minutes. And, and I, I, But I, I really think if Michigan is forced to punt a couple times, that could be the difference in this game and and their offense is going to need to grind. And I think Mi- Michigan does have the better lines and we'll see if over the course of four quarters, that makes a difference. Yeah. I'm, I'm with Brad in terms of, I keep picking against Michigan and I keep losing those bets. Luckily I've got no money on those. I had no money on those. Uh, I'm going to go one more time. I've been talking Washington since mid September when I realized that USC wasn't who I thought they were. Uh, thanks to late Dennis Green. Um, uh, I just think they're, I agree with you. Michael Penix is somebody that any other year wins the Heisman. Um, they're on the West Coast. Nobody really knows. They look at scores and say, oh, they don't win by very much. Well, they played top 25 teams every week. So uh, Michigan's very, very good. But I'm going to go with the Huskies for this one. And by the way, how about this? Old guard Big Ten versus new guy in the Big Ten. Imagine the Huskies walking in uh, next year to the Big Ten as national champions. And there were some people, some Big Ten fans who didn't want them. Um, maybe we now know why. All right, <laughs> we got to go. Hey, first week of the new year. It's been uh, great to have you on. Thanks to all the guests who stopped by. As always, enjoy the games and enjoy the weekend. We'll see you same place next time. Take care. The preceding program is a product of Rise Above Productions and Revision Sound. Join us next week for the latest edition of the Aggie 